0: The following Bloodstream Media podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Speak to your healthcare provider about all medical and treatment
1: decisions.
2: Welcome warriors and listeners to Cheat Codes, the Sickle Cell Podcast. It's Dr. Z. Dr. C. How are you, Dr. C? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Dr. Z? doing all right. I'm excited. We've got a really, really cool episode planned for Warriors. A little different than usual.
1: Yeah, I like it. I think it's good to get a patient perspective and somebody who really is living well with Sickle Cell and doing great things.
2: Today, we're going to talk to Nori Davis, who's a stand-up comedian and an actor who's living well with Sickle Cell. He's doing his thing. He's handling his business. He's killing it on the comedy scene. Really funny guy. Yeah, really, really good guy. He's doing cool stuff for Sickle Cell Warriors. We wanted to share his story with you guys on this episode so this episode is going to be a little bit different i'm not going to bother dr c with a word of the day and i'm not going to bother him with having to go through a research article you're off the hook for this episode man all right thanks for the break yeah no worries so uh we'll get right into it and we're going to give you a jam-packed episode full of nori and uh, some quips and stories and upcoming exciting things that he's going to be doing stay tuned She Codes listeners and warriors everywhere. We've got a really special guest with us today, man. And I'm so excited to get you on this pod, Nori. we got Nori Davis, guys. Hey, hey. Thank you for having me, man. Happy to be on here. I, uh, I've been a big fan of yours, man, for a long time. And I still distinctly remember, man, I was on Spotify. I had the comedy channel on. A track named Sickle Cell popped up. It was from Home Game. Home Game, yes, sir.
1: Is that the Fruit Ninja? That's, that's, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty, that's good stuff.
2: Thank you, guys. That's my first album ever in comedy, man. That's that's my baby. So that's what set it off for me, man. I was like, I need to find this guy. I need to figure out what the heck this guy's story is. What's going on with him? I got to connect because it's amazing to see warriors that are killing it out there.
0: Ryan, man, I mean, you call this killing it? All right, cool. <laughs> I'm trying to do my thing, but no, I really appreciate that love, man. Just trying to think of sugar cell as a weight, a ball and chain, but a ball and chain that I carry with me, and it doesn't, it doesn't weight me down. I love that, man. I just don't let it hold me back to what I'm doing, and uh, and that's it. You know what I'm saying? So just got to keep going, keep going forward. Yeah, and I definitely want to. I track on it so people know like where I'm from and and it's great it reached people like you like like it doesn't get enough awareness you know or even anybody talking about it.
2: You touch on it a little bit during home game where you're sort of like I didn't used to talk about this so openly like I don't share my business with everybody uh, because you're more than your disease. But tell us a little bit about because this episode is geared specifically towards patients with sickle cell disease. Tell us a little bit about. Your story, man. Tell us a little bit about how this all came about. When when did you realize you had sickle cell disease?
0: All right. So my mom and dad got together, right? And they did what they had to do.
2: <laughs> and Then
0: yeah, <laughs> and, yeah uh, sickle cell, I, I guess I go off the stories that my mom told me because I she said when I was born, I had like a mini uh, a stroke and because of sickle cell complications and like I had like a very high fever. So we're talking 83, 84, where they had my physician, I think his name was Dr. Fry. He didn't know what to do. And I'm all going with my mom told me. I don't remember none of this stuff. Yeah. it's Like so interesting. Was this in Yonkers? Yep. Yonkers, New York. St. John's Hospital. I was born. Yeah. And, and Dr. Fry was just like, yeah, rush him over to the hospital right now because he has a fever and he has these pains. And I was very young, uh, like three or two, this was happening. I think after that, after I was stable and it was, I remember I, I do Previously, remember them putting me like in water with um, ice in it just to bring the temperature down because it was so high. It was like, I think it was like 103, 104 at that age. is like, wow. after that, he connected my mother with Dr. Weathers. I don't know if you Dr. Weathers, the, the OG. She's been monitoring me. It's just pain management. You know, a lot of pains in the stomach. And I remember being curled over and not really being able to play basketball and like keep up with kids and sports. I mean, that's mainly it, like, when I was, like, young and stuff, and the rest was just, like, really pain management, and, like, my mom really not knowing what to do, and so just, like, getting out of it and put me on ibuprofen, uh, and then just going as a kid as that, you know, Um, and I think it would happen towards when I reached 14, that's when they suggested I do blood transfusions, so I could not be in risk of a stroke, uh, they would do, um, what's those things? They scan your brain, um, going through the machine. Yeah, MRI. Like a, uh, MRI. MRI, thank you. The MRIs a lot. And uh, they was like, yeah, he's definitely in the risk of a stroke. From there, starting at 14, I did blood transfusions. and I did that for a couple of years. And all that iron in my liver be too high. So then they had to put me on Desperol. I was on Desperol. That's where you had to stab yourself in the stomach, which I hated. It felt like, a little, like I was a mini little heroin addict. <laughs> but you stab yourself and then you fall asleep then you wake up and you piss out all the brown <laughs> all the brown uh urine it's like all, all the iron and i hated that that so much so i would skip a lot of nights and my mom would yell at me and tell me to do it and blah 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 then i think it was around um 17 18 did apheresis you know uh, blood in blood out and then from 18 all the way up until i'll say 20 29 29, I did that. Even in college, did apheresis. Had to go to the Children's Hospital in Philadelphia when I went to, I went to school in Delaware. And I had to drive, yeah, Delaware to Philly, and then do the blood transfusion, and then go back to, um, do the apheresis, and then go back to uh, school. And then from there... Did, uh, did, it, did transfusions all throughout my 20s. And I started stand-up, like, in two thousand two thousand seven. 2007. So even around there, I was kind of, like, on and off. Like, I would, I have very good veins, which was good. <laughs> that was, that was That's like. That's
2: a blessing, man.
0: That was a blessing, because I remember even that I go back to, like, 15. They were, like, they wanted to put a port in me. And I, I just could not imagine having a port right here and and, like, how much of. I wanted to be popular and be funny. Like, that's just not cool having metal port just sticking out. <laughs> and I'm just gonna, I'll just keep losing weight. That's all I'm gonna do. And like um, small little weights, two pounds, and uh, got my veins up. And um, more towards my 20s, I, I remember I can tell by my body when did I need it. So it was basically, I always describe it as like, you ever saw Blade 2 where he, he was all drained and he just dropped into the blood, the pool of blood, and then he <laughs> came out. Like, that's, that's how I feel after blood transfusion. But then I will wait until, like, I start to feel drained. And I'm like, okay, I think I'm, I need to re-up now. And um, I think I was blessed to be that type of sickle cell patient who responds to blood transfusions and didn't have too many antibodies and any hepatitis, getting hepatitis from it and stuff like that. Or even uh, HIV AIDS, you know, because that's a risk, too, with all those blood packs. So shout out to donors. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, now you're on Comedy Central. I saw Conan. You got a comedy special with like hundreds of thousands of views. Do you think Sickle Cell kind of pushed you in that direction? Was that like coping with all of the stuff you had to go through? Was comedy a big part of that? Or was that something different or came later? Comedy came from just me being... F- like funny and uh, always
0: loving to laugh. I remember seeing the Chappelle show when I was a kid, me and my boy like, yo, we should write sketches. And he's like, well, you probably have to do stand-up to get the sketches out. I was like, all right, maybe I'll start it. I remember that when starting comedy, I had to find a way to tell my story. So, and I always like, there's nobody out there talking about sickle cell. So, and you know, I always call it like the back of the bus disease, cause nobody knows about it. It's kind of funny to be kind of bitter about it. And I think that's the comedy in that, like, cancer got you know breast cancer got all the gloves football players and everything they got pink and our color, I think, is just brown. And it's just, <laughs> it's just like, hey, yo, you gotta do better, like uh, or like get more awareness or even money or funding. And it's hard because, and then even hearing like the systematic racism behind it. There's a lot of people that do have sickle cell, but that are white, but they renamed it so they didn't want no association with black and brown people. That's all education I got, like from my mom and everything. i was just like, wow, I didn't know it was just so like secluded and pushed off. So I wanted to put it on the platform that every platform I am so people know who I am and people else so can relate and be like, oh man, he's just like me. Yeah. Cause I don't know, you, you, you work with patients before and like, they're just so, um, whenever they have a pain and like, there's nothing for them, just morphine. They're like very angry and bitter and felt like they're thrown to the wayside. You know, a lot of my friends were so angry.
2: No, totally. Uh, I man. think it's
1: huge, huge to see somebody being successful in a cool field too. I mean, stand up comedy and how is that dealing with, it's gotta be late nights and odd hours. And is that hard to manage sickle cell and, and do a comedy career?
0: Yeah, man. it's It definitely is a lot of discipline of like not taking all the free drinks that audience members give you. <laughs> <laughs> all that alcohol dehydrates you and then right, boom, I'm right into a crisis and nobody there can really help me help myself. You know, so I just know how to like, I know my limits. You have to know your limits. So yeah, and uh, even getting crisis on the road a lot and just making sure I know where I can get Motrin at and also a lot of water, a lot of water. I learned that early on. Remember Atlantic City, I got sick doing shows out there at the Bagada. That was more of um, a gallbladder problem, but any problem you have with sugar cells, just like times 35, you know. <laughs> One of the uh, comedians, he saw me. I was on the floor. I was in pain. He can't, I called him to come to my room. I, I kept taking Motrin all day. It just never went away. So he, he took me down to the cab and I, I was like, take me to the hospital. He said, which one you want to go to? I said, the, the most cheapest one, not the expensive one. <laughs> he was like, I know exactly where to go.
1: <laughs> and they took me there. And, uh, that's where we work.
0: Yeah. <laughs> took me right there and, uh, held me down, man. And, um, my best friend came, came up and drove and got me. And I remember the next day was like, this was around the time when Living Color was doing a remake, a reboot, auditions, and I wanted to do it so bad. So I got myself better in a hospital, and then he drove me down. And I did the audition. And I was right there in front of Keenan, but I was just like so wrecked. I was just like, (laughs) I tried my best, man, but I just wanted to try to do the opportunities. One of those things where I was just dragging sick as hell along when I should have just went to another hospital and really recovered. That's what it is. That's what I mean about me carrying the ball and chain with me. Not gonna let this disease ruin my opportunity. Yeah, yeah. So what happened with that is I had a um, gallbladder, gallbladder problem because on the road wasn't was eating healthy at all, just
2: fast food. That's got to be tough, man. It's, it's important to have that type of support though. Like your best friend who's ready to be there for you. And you know, you you have to have your squad, right? Yeah. My squad, my mom, mom is definitely, she's, she's,
0: she's right that one with that. She's still out there advocating for it, which is great. And um, yeah, my, my best friend. And now my fiance, she's very close by with it. And I'll have like, I have to be careful with the Jamesons, you know, and uh, I recently went back on it. Me too. So good, though. So good. Because like... <laughs> you want to be so human. I want to be like, y'all, I just want to be so human and not just feel like a handicap. Just got to like, just pace it out. Yeah, it was this comedy show. I had like a horrible crisis, man. And I had to go on. And I had crises on stage many of times. And people don't know I'm going through it. And my fiance's like, oh, that was a good set. I was like, what? I was at an eight the whole time. Like, cause you know pain management is like one to ten. Yeah. Dude, that's gotta be the hardest thing, man, to be funny while you're hurting. I, even I think about it, I was like, I don't even know how I did that, but what you gonna do? Like, those people don't care. <laughs> you know, they, they pay their tickets, you know. It's 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 just like, all right, let me just man up. Not even man up, let me just toughen up and just hold it. So I would just pace myself. I would. Like when I take the pain, it's just like a deep breath, just, and then hold it, let it pass, and then breathe out, and then say the joke, and then just pace a little bit, try to hide my face. <laughs> but people probably know what my pain face, my crisis face is, and um, just get through it, man. You know, just get through it. So... The rest is um. Oh my God! Yeah, even traveling. Traveling is crazy too, man. Got to be careful with that because,
1: like, you know, low oxygen. Yeah, and the airplanes, and you get dehydrated on the airplanes, and can't sleep, and and I can't imagine. You know, for me, giving a talk is a little bit stressful. You go up there, and there's a crowd, and it makes you a little bit nervous. And if it's your own stuff, like if you're presenting, like I'm presenting my research, sometimes it's personal, and I feel like I'm being judged but I can't think of anything more stressful than going up and trying to be funny. I mean, you could, (laughs) you could just die up there. I mean, the only thing worse might be like boxing or something. You go up there and just get beat. But, uh, but, and then stress sets off sickle cell. So do you have a way of coping with that? Or it's just, sometimes you get stressed out and you got to deal with it.
0: Right. That's right. Stress is another trigger, which is just like, really? That's what we need. Another one. (laughs) Um, Uh With stress is like, I guess being more spiritual, I am like, I believe more in the universe and things is the way it's supposed to be and try to like, just live in the moment and not worry about yesterday or worry about tomorrow, just center myself. And like, even right now, like I, during this pandemic, like they take the stage away, but I built the stage in my living room, which is good. But it's like, what can I do with that? It doesn't even matter, is the world even gonna be here? Now there's an alien. What's happening?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you do stand up in the living room for the cat there or? <laughs> chilling. Um, I stand
0: up for for you, just like the camera right here. And um, oh, okay. Zoom. Yeah. Nice. So
2: speaking of speaking of, um, uh, I mean, you've been doing sold out shows through Zoom, which is awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're bringing laughter to people who are stuck in their house.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah, man. My, thank God, man. Uh, my fiance Nash Rose, she's a very funny comedian too. She opens up for me, like on the road before this all happened. And for my birthday, I had my birthday in, in quarantine, and uh, she she put together a secret birthday party with like a whole bunch of comics, like 30 people on Zoom saying happy birthday. And it felt good, because I was so depressed, like, because I didn't know, like, what am I going to do? Like, everybody's career is just on a, you know, a stop. So she bought me a microphone, and once I got that mic, man, that's that's all I needed. I was like, fuck it, let me find a way how I can do Zoom and. She encouraged me to do it and I was thinking like, no, I need the stage, it's not gonna be the same. And I think it's a real mentality which is like, all right, like I said, like we're in the moment. I can only control what I can do right now today. So let me get on Zoom, let me see if it is good because we have no
2: idea when everything else is gonna open up. Everything that just is open For up sure. is just a grocery store. <laughs> So I woke up like, I don't know, what was that, maybe a week ago now, and I, I opened up Twitter and I saw a little notification in my little inbox And I open it and I see, I got a message from someone with a blue check. (laughs) I better open this up quick. And it says the stand-up kid. Uh So I was like, oh man, it's, it's my guy Nori. And he's got a message in there that says, listen, man, I've been thinking about how I can use my platform to do something related to sickle cell and COVID. I almost fell over, man, because Mike will tell you, man, I harass everyone you can imagine. This is like stalking. I am emailing and DMing and sliding into inboxes for everyone you can imagine to get support for Sickle Cell all like the time. LeBron James needs security. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll be the one to
0: get on the other side to help you with LeBron.
2: Yeah, I mean, that might, you might be the one, man. Uh, so I get this message and I was like, dude, I can't believe that Nori actually reached out to me. So I screenshotted and sent it to Mike. I was like, dude, Nori reached out to me. And then I connected him with Barry Andemariam, who's the chief medical officer of Sickle Cell Disease Association of America, and, and Beverly Francis Gibson, who's the CEO. Nori's going to be contributing to the emergency COVID fund for sickle cell disease families and patients, man, that the Sickle Cell Disease Association is uh, trying to get together, man. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, man. I want to do something where um give a relief and, and, and use my platform and talent to like, hey, Uh, I have these people or fans that want to come out and they also like, instead of just watching my comedy during these times, their money can also help out a great cause. And I think that's what we need to do. And we see so many charities, we even see how um, a lot of famous artists been doing um, IG lives. I know a lot of my comedy peers, even people bigger than me they do a lot of their charity for the weight staff and their lifestyle, which is which is which is great too. But I, I just know there's like who else is doing it for sickle cell, you know what I'm saying? And um I just wanted to like help out with that. Like, hey, I I have it. I want to be an advocate for it as much as I can. And um I think this is a great way to do it. So I'm that feels good, man. Yeah, because I always see you on my Twitter, man. Like, I follow you back too. Like, always going hard for Sicker Cell, and there's not too many out there like that, man. And I know he'll know somebody from the big Sicker Cell Association because I know the division in Queens with Gloria, and my mom used to work. We did the walk a little bit and they needed they needed a lot of help back then too. So I was just like, all right, let
2: me see what I can do. Exactly what you said. It's the back of the bus disease, right? And it's the back of the bus disease for everybody. It's the back of the bus disease for the doctors who take care of it, right? It's the back of the bus disease for the nurses who take care of sickle cell disease patients and the patients, everybody involved. It's going to take shameless people like me, man, to harass people, You, on the other hand, man, you came to me, which is amazing. Oh, yeah, no doubt, man. God bless you, man. And you too, man. We
0: need other soldiers out here, like, rooting for us. And then we're going to get to where families that suffer from it and even kids that are still dying from it, that's not even talked about, not important, but they are. And um, they need to feel that love, too, and that support, too, because a lot of doctors are not educated on it when... We are in the ER rooms and they just throw us morphine and they think we're heroin addicts and we're dismissed. And it's, it's disheartening. And, and, and doctors and people need to get more education on it, even through nutrition. Like, what is there? What are some green foods that we can eat that can help? Instead of, like, there's another drug and this other drug. And when we were on this drug, this drug causes this now. And, you know, and my, uh, my brother's on um, hydroxyurea, which, help, which helps him. But now he's allergic to fruit. So it's like, but he has he has like other pills that he takes too. I'm not saying that's just hydroxyria, but we have to be weary of all these drugs because we definitely want to get some other options that can like that are more you know fruitful and helpful that can uh, more nutrition based. I think
1: mainly I'm saying education. (laughs) That's what's lacking. Yeah, no, I I think that's huge. We're always trying to educate people, and it's not always working. So I'm thinking comedy might be a good angle to get in. You know, get people thinking about this, thinking about it a different way.
0: If y'all ever want to play my sick or so joke in the beginning of y'all presentations, do it.
1: (laughs) You have my permission, please. So how do we get to these shows? I know uh, Dr. Z owes his wife a a date night, or one of his mentors is going to get upset at him about it. How do we get tickets to these these Zoom shows?
0: I'll send you the link, man, the Zoom link. That's it, just like y'all send me the Zoom link to this podcast.
2: Beautiful. And we're going to tell the Warriors where they can follow Nori and all that stuff, man. I got to ask you a question, man. Hypothetically, if you could talk to an 11-year-old Nori that might have been in the hospital with pain, what would you tell that, that version of yourself right now, knowing what you know about the journey you've been through, man? Ooh,
0: that's a great question. I would definitely tell myself this pain is not going to last that long. I know it feels like it's going to last forever. Stick it out and know that you're destined for other great things. And you're going to be on the podcast that somebody's going to ask you for me to come here to ask you about this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's what I would say. Like, yeah, to keep going and don't worry about it because it would just be, you know, holding your hand with your mom and your mom sleeping in the bed and you're in the hospital. And I remember even high school where you start worrying worrying about your presence in high school and popularity. And I remember I, I would get sick and sick and sick would be so bad with me. I would be in the hospital for like four or five days and missing out on high school back then where like you start getting to girls and, and just being social. I was like, man, let me just drink water, chill out <laughs> and uh, eat better foods. Um, I would pack a lunch. Definitely not uh, get back in the hospital because that shit was just, it, your life, life just stops. It's so depressing when you're just in the hospital bed and they're feeding you those foods and it just keeps going by and going by. It's just like, I do not want to be here anymore. And and I know there's so many other sickle cell kids that are just so bad. Just by the beds and they can't get out because the pain is so crucial. And I feel for them, man. I just want to give them some type of entertainment. Like, yo, keep going. It's going to be all right, you know, and try to figure it out. No,
2: I love that. I love that, man. I You know, I think that one of the things I hear a lot from my patients, especially like in this, because we're pediatric sickle cell doctors. So we take care of People who are under twenty, and especially when they're like in that high school age, I mean, they start feeling really alone and by themselves in this battle, right? And then we, we do sickle cell summer camp, so kids come, and and that's like the first time they feel like they're surrounded by people that understand them. You know, like other sickle cell patients. What's the camp, y'all? What's the name of the camp? So it's called North Star Reach. Nice. Um, it's a serious fun camp. You know, there's different places where it happens. We do the one here in Michigan, man, and it's amazing, right? Because you have these like 16 year old boys that are in the same cabin, one from Detroit, one from Chicago, one from Flint, one from Indianapolis. That's the first time they're feeling brotherhood. Yeah. That's what I felt when I, I had sick and so camp too uh, with Dr. Weathers. It was at the Hole
0: in the Wall gang camp. Randy Newman, I think. Not Randy Newman. No, Paul that's Newman, the, yeah. Paul Newman. It's the same program. It's the same program. Yeah, this here. is
1: a Paul Newman too.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I remember he used to always have, they would have his lemonade at the table.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> what was that? 90, 96, 97, I think. And I went for like three years. And I think I remember the fourth year. You knew it was the last one because uh, I felt that, sadness my mom I remember my mom being mad about it how like uh it's not getting funny anymore because the kids are have six cells so they want to bring in like cancer patients and they start bringing in more patients who have more money to help and not families that because like we were just getting a free ride you know what I'm saying so after that they phased us out and that was it but those years I was there that was the best years ever just being around a whole bunch of black boys man like uh, team Red or something. I was probably Team Blue, and we the unity like, yo, you have it, you have it too, and we just holding each other down, sharing stories, and we just felt so human. We didn't feel alone. It was great, and I love camps like that, man. If I can do anything to help that camp out, you let me know. I love it. It, it, it saved a lot. It saved a lot of my summers. It brightened up my day. It was one of those type of camps where after you leave. It was for a week, so after after we would leave, I would always cry because like, we're gonna miss each other. It's like you're breaking away from your family. Like, no man, I love you, man. No, I kissed a girl there too. She had a single <laughs> They always had a talent show at the end, and I think my talent was just like rapping or singing or dancing. Like we did like a group and stuff like that. And uh, it was just, it was just beautiful. Like, yeah, kids from, I was from New York, kids from uh, downtown, uptown, Brooklyn. The bus stop was right there at um, Columbia University. That's where the Sickle Cell Center was at, Dr. Weathers. It was great.
2: And that's why it's so important, man, to have this, to have you out there shining light on Sickle Cell, to let other people know they're not alone in this battle. So we appreciate that so much, dude. But I want to get back to your comedy a little bit, if you don't mind. Tell me a little bit about your early influence. You told us a little bit about Dave Chappelle. Who are your other influencers as far as your style and who you learn from and who you try to pick up from? And who are the other comedians you hung out with kind of coming up on the circuit? Oh
0: yes, all right, so my influence is definitely in the beginning, I, I would commute from uh, Yonkers to Brooklyn in the Pratt Institute, and I would have Robin Harris, Baby Kids CD in there. I would have uh, Martin Lawrence, um, Shut Your Mouth on CD. So Martin, Robin Harris, Jim Gaffigan, I love Jim Gaffigan, how he can just take one joke and just write all towards it, and then it would be so big. Uh, Like, you know, that Hot Pocket bit is like 10 minutes itself. (laughs) You (laughs) know, say, yeah, Gaffigan, Martin, Robin Harris. Loves Chris Rock. Huge fan, all his stuff. It's crazy. I'm, like, looking at my DVDs right now. And uh, I'll throw in there. Why not? Like, I I love everybody. Like, Louis C.K., Eddie Izzard. I think as a comedian, what I did, my homework, I studied everybody everybody's genre, everybody's style. It was like, once I was in my junior year of college, because that's where I, I got into prep my junior year. It was two years. And um, towards the end of it, I just knew I wasn't good <laughs> with, um, with art. I was just like, I'm all right. But these kids are killing it. Like, I would get like Bs and a C C plus, And those kids were like killing it with design. <laughs> ben Bailey came to the school and performed. And I was just like, I want to do that. And I took a class at the Comics Your Life. From there, I remember just watching everybody, just trying to figure out everybody's timing. And So when they say, what's your favorite comic? I say, I'm going to say, retract my answer, say all of them. (laughs) Because I think anybody who does it professionally and lives off of it, that's all I ever wanted to get to. And I got there. So now the next is just to keep putting out work and more art and figure out a new bit about sickle cell. What, what is sickle cell now for me? You know, what am I going through now? And I, I went back to the doctors and cut out. I, I was off A for races at 29. And then now um, I went back on it, 36. I went back on it because it was, it was really, um, I was getting more crisis. I was losing weight. <laughs> and uh, my, my hemoglobin was down to like a four one time. It got down to a four. So, you know, people don't know about that where like, Human beings' hemoglobin should be like, what, like 18, right? Yeah, something like that,
1: 15, 16,
0: 17. Yeah, it should be high,
2: high teens.
0: So with me, when I would do apheresis, it would, it would bump me up to an 8. And an 8, I would be like, all right, I'm Superman. But those five years I didn't do it, my hemoglobin was down for like a 4, 5. And I remember just being so exhausted. And I was like, all right, let me just go see this new a new sick cell doctor at um, Montefiore. they have a good doctor, uh, Glassenberg. I was like, yeah, I just want to make sure how my levels are because I got a show in Denver. And it was all right. So they took my blood. And I think in two days I was, sp- I was supposed to go. So they called me. Man, they called me the, ne- the day before I was supposed to go. They was like, yeah, we, uh, we think you should not go. <laughs> like, at all. You're like out of four. You're a four point two. We don't even know how you're alive, or even how you're like standing up. I remember, my fiance was crying and stuff, and she's like, "Cause I know you're gonna try to go." Blah blah blah. Like I like I'm I'm smart, but I'm not dumb. Like I'm I'm brave, but. I'm not dumb. So I didn't, I didn't go because they uh, was really trying to give me an emergency transfusion. That night, I was able to apply for Medicaid. And a lot of sick and so patients don't know about that, too. Like, if low income, you know, try to get on Medicaid as as much as you can. And even those options are hard to reach. We're always going to be considered outpatient. And outpatient costs, medical insurances are like, that's like a team trying to drive at 11 and get, like, Allstate. They're like, yeah, all right, $90 million. <laughs>
1: You know, a lot of places it's hard to even find a doctor who takes care of adults with sickle cell. Yeah. Insurance is crazy for everybody. But if you got a chronic condition, it's, it's more complicated than medicine.
0: Sickle cell families like in middle America where like a lot of those doctors are not even educated on it. So like New York, we're lucky like my, my brother in Jersey, he doesn't have a sickle cell doctor there at all. And he would have to come to New York, but none of his insurance will cross over. So he'd been figuring it out himself. But you talked about comedy when i was on the road for tracy morgan for like a year that was great awesome. opening up for tracy and he took me under his wing and he brought me everywhere in the road with him this is uh this was like like four or five years before the whole uh walmart incident because i knew it was close because even when the walmart thing happened a lot of people called me thinking i was on the bus and i was like oh no i haven't worked with him like for like, a couple years so no i was i'm glad him and everybody's going and even that guy that passed uh, jimmy mack and all them i worked with them too um so sad. Wow,
2: yeah. I mean, that was crazy. That was such a crazy thing that happened.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. He would take me to 30 Rock Set and hang out with Tina Fey and all that. And Alan Baldwin watching them perform. And uh, just getting better on the road. You know, I remember doing Virginia Funny Bone with him. And that was Thursday one show, Friday two shows, Saturday two shows, Sunday two shows. So that was seven shows. I remember, oh, man, I remember the last show Sunday. I was drained. (laughs) I was drained. And I ain't telling him I had sickle cell, but I just remember him saying, like, look, man, people pay their ticket. You, You go out there, you perform, you give it your all. So I just remember, like, all right, I gotta, no matter what, I gotta set my game up. Like, it can't be an excuse. I can't, if sickle is my excuse, then it's like, then don't do it, like, because people pay their money to be entertained. They don't, you know, ballerinas don't do that.
2: Ah, uh, I just got a divorce, but whatever. <laughs> I want to see this ballerina show. Just hearing you is so inspirational to me, man. It, I mean, you're you're living well with sickle cell, and 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 that's just that's huge man and it's it's as much as it's physical it's also a lot of mental right right because it hangs over you you never know when the knife is going to drop on you
0: i mean i guess to tell those teens too man definitely have them watch out but it's so hard for them cuz i didn't know this too but so if i would tell them now is that if they ever listen to this podcast is like definitely look out for their diet try to definitely eat more fruits and more vegetables more nutritions with water in it so like they they can definitely not put themselves in a high risk of a crisis. Because I remember even as a kid, all we ate was McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, chill out, cafeteria food. So like all that stuff in your, in your system, like there's no oxygen in those nutritions to go to your blood cells and uh, the sickle cells just going to start sticking to each other. Bam. Pain. We're not taught that at all. There's no awareness for that. And, it, and it's, it's aggravating because like you can really prevent a lot of crisis and a lot of pain for yourself as a teen and not miss out on prom or miss out on a field trip or even school itself
2: or hanging, or playing ball. You touch base on this in uh, Too Woke where, where you talk about sometimes there's not good options for people, right? It's hard to get nutritious, good food. It's easy to hit a McDonald's. It's easy to hit a KFC, right? But it's hard to get some of our kids, man, in, in like inner city Detroit, it's not easy to find a grocery store that has good food. And I, I think it's huge
1: having that message come from you because, you know, we say stuff like this and I, I don't even listen to me about it. I, you know, I hit the downs <laughs> on the way home after I, after I tell people not to. But but I, I think hearing a peer or somebody who has sickle cells say, this will work for me it goes a long way you know it's, it's different than hearing it from your doctor
0: exactly man and, and a lot of doctors don't really have that much you know nutrition training in their in their college i mean i think i think it is statistically like out of the 20 years that they learn it it's only like what uh two years or 200 hours of nutrition is required i mean that's so little you know and that would help out a lot of kids, and and yeah, like those kids in the inner city, yeah, they don't have access to it, and what they can actually afford in the economics is that type of food. You know, like I used to eat that all the time, like um, Chinese food, pizza, um, chicken fried rice, and all that. Sh- you know what I'm saying? Like, and and none of that had oxygen food. And I and I would always ask them, like, why I got like so much pain? And then you playing ball, <laughs> it's like so definitely being older now, like 37 now with it back on apheresis which is good i need that because then after like i'm just tired and there were times where i didn't have a blood transfusion and uh just so exhausted after performing because even now i can't really i can do two shows on one night but i prefer to do one night only and then i'm out of there so nori
2: man I, I i can't even tell you i mean how inspirational it is for us as physicians right to like see you and how well you're doing and patients are gonna i mean they're gonna benefit so much with the more involvement you have with this community. It's going to be so positive for especially a lot of these young adolescent black males, man. It's hard in this country to be a young person of color, man. And and to see somebody else who's got the same disease as you that is killing it, it is just so important for them, man. And this is why and this is why I'm harassing. This is why I even, I mean, I stalked you a little bit too, man. I I, I sent you a couple messages when I saw you admitted to the hospital on Instagram. And, and, and it's because, I mean, people like you, man, uh, this, this is the only chance for Sickle Cell to be in the spotlight.
0: It has to be, man. I mean, I guess this is going to be the turning point where we start to like, all right, get more awareness out. And hopefully my face gets out there and starts um, seeing what I'm doing. And I hope that inspires them. Like, look, yeah, just... You know it's a ball and chain, but you know make sure you can you have a lot more arm strength to carry it with you, and don't let it
1: drag you down. That's oh, it. For sure. I mean, it's so hard to make it in the entertainment business, and to see somebody who's on, you know, Comedy Central and on having a special at and getting huge reviews and
2: Conan and and opening for Tracy Morgan. I mean, there's the list of achievements is endless, man. Thank you, dude. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, just
0: uh. And I got more albums coming out. I, got a, I like doing comedy albums also, so I can just build my discography so people can just see it and hear it. When visual specials come back, who knows? All I know right now, we are on Zoom <laughs> talking
1: about <it. laughs> Well, we're going to have to check that out.
2: Before we wrap this up, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple quick hit questions here, a little lightning round. All right, let's do it. If we opened up your Spotify or your Pandora or whatever you use, what are the top three artists that you're listening to right now? Not comedy, music. Frank Ocean,
0: <laughs> definitely up there. Uh, Drake, let's see. Uh, probably, uh, I'll say Travis Scott. I think Travis Scott okay. in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. And then the one app that you use the most, what is it? Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for real? IG
0: all day. Yeah, IG or maybe messages. <laughs> but IG all day is the one I open up, try to like see what I can post out there to get more awareness out the reach and trying to figure out the, the algorithm gods.
2: Now, tell me this what is your favorite
0: meal ever?
1: Favorite meal ever?
0: Man, what came to my head was pancakes. Love pancakes.
2: Ooh, nice. That's
1: okay. a big one on my house.
0: Love pancakes, man. Flour, water, bread, and my uh, Nash, she makes them so good, makes them all fluffy. <laughs> I remember in Virginia, they had a pancake challenge, and I was. 13 and I took it. Did you eat like 50 pancakes? Somebody, the record was eating 50 pancakes, and I think I made it towards um six. That's it. I just <laughs> ate six. And my mom like, What the hell are you doing? I was like, I thought I, thought I could do it.
2: <laughs> I was done. I was so full. Yeah, I love pancakes all day. Thank you for your time today, man. The, just
1: yeah, thanks so much for joining. Setting
2: us. aside an hour and your busy schedule, man, we appreciate you from the bottom of our heart, dude.
1: Thank you, man. Much love
0: to y'all. Shout out to all the sicker cell warriors out there and you guys, what you're doing to show awareness and anything I could do to help. Please let me know. Thank you, man, for supporting me.
2: We're going to link to your show um, on our podcast website and all the people listening out there. Make sure you jump on to one of Nori's shows.
1: And and how do they follow you on Instagram?
2: Yeah, at Nori Davis.
0: At Nori Davis. D-A-V-I-S. And yeah, just all one word. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna put more Zoom shows and whenever this comes out, who knows with this pandemic, we ever going to get back into the clubs. You know what I'm saying? So I hope
1: so. I hope so soon.
0: I hope so soon, too. I'm not going to lie, but all I know right now, I'm going to take over Zoom. <laughs> there
1: you go, man. All right. We'll see you on there. Thanks for joining us.
2: Much love, y'all. Take care, Nori. Peace. Peace. Man, and that wraps up another episode for us, Dr. C. That's episode number nine in the books. For the Warriors that want more of Nori, can't get enough. Every Friday and Sunday at 8 p.m., Nori is doing live comedy at the Comedy Trap House that you can get onto using Zoom. So if you want more information, hit Nori up at Nori Davis, N O R E D A V I S, on Instagram. He's the stand up kid on Twitter follow him make sure you sign up for one of these episodes because proceeds from this episode actually not just this episode proceeds from all the episodes in may are going to the sickle cell disease association of america's covid19 relief fund
1: that's so cool i think i'm gonna have a date night with mrs callahan
2: for warriors out there make sure you share this episode with somebody who you think could learn about sickle cell disease Follow me at Dr. Z Sickle Cell and follow Dr. C at Imagineer. Take care, guys. Keep living well with Sickle Cell.